Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Cleverly for sharing up. The battle job. And the foul all the way. Hello guys and welcome back to yet another edition of The Last Word on Spurs. Now we might as well get this out of the way straight away. As you can tell I've lost the majority of my voice. That is a combination unfortunately of a cold and Spurs going 2-1 up at the Emirates which caused absolute scenes in my household. And yep, you know the rest what happened. We're going to have to review that game unfortunately against Arsenal in this post-mortem of a show. Helping me do that I've got Michael Bridge from Sky Sports. Abby Summers and freelance football writer Seb Stafford-Bloor. Now, just a reminder for you, if you're listening to this show on a Tuesday, we are in fact back on Love Sport Radio this evening. We are on between the hours of 7pm to 9pm in the UK. That is 7pm to 9pm in the UK. And of course, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can call us on 0208 70 20 That's 0208 70 
And a reminder, you can catch the show both on 558AM and DAB Radio. That is 558AM and DAB Radio. And of course, you can listen to the show also via the Love Sport app and on their website. So predominantly the Love Sport show will again be a follow-up with Jason and Lee McQueen on there. In terms of their thoughts on the game against Arsenal, we'll also be previewing Southampton to come, in which obviously, as we know, they are now managerless for the moment. So before we address that, Let's address this Arsenal game. Hopefully, try your best to enjoy the show and it's going to provide you with a little bit of therapy along the way. Before we start the show, one man missing, as you will notice, is of course Jason McGovern. Jason's a regular on the last word on Spurs and on Love Sport. And of course, we love hearing Jason's thoughts on Spurs every single week. And we couldn't help catching up with Jason before the recording of this show to get his thoughts on the Arsenal game. And of course, you can hear more from Jason, who's going to be on the Love Sport show on Tuesday evening. But here's Jason's initial afterthoughts after that Arsenal match. Sorry, boys, I can't be with you tonight. Obviously, yesterday was a, was a bitterly disappointing day. Just a few quick thoughts. First of all, I think the, uh, the issue of being up for a derby or, or not wanting it more than them, I think that's a little bit harsh when you've had the week that we've had as opposed to a day on the beach at Bournemouth followed by your feet up all week. I think, you know, 5% extra energy all across the pitch and, and that's how it manifests itself. But... You know, we did manage to get back in the game and go 2-1 up and there was certainly plenty of passion in the uh, Eric Dyer celebration. So I wouldn't necessarily agree they wanted it more. I would say that they physically were able to show they wanted it more. What annoyed me more was the, the, the amount of individual mistakes we made, not just one fourth. It started in the, I think it was only about the second minute when Ben Davis got dispossessed, let a ball run under his foot and they were through and... You know, it, it happened right the way across the pitch. Inexplicable handball by Jan, who had, you know, probably his worst game for, what, four years for us. And and it was just characteristic. And probably the only person that, that emerged without making a mistake on, on a big day was Hugo. And sadly, finally, as a as a, a, a game where he doesn't make a mistake in a big one, and yet he still conceived four. So um, we got what we deserved on the day. And, and we have to make massive, massive improvements by the by the cup tie but um you know just one win in 25 years there you look at Chelsea away and that's one win in 25 years as well so you know just two wins from those 50 fixtures isn't good enough in London derbies and away from home in those key derbies and, and absolutely we must improve but uh was a tough watch um the most disappointing thing, I suppose, on top of that was was at 2-2, the energy was flat. Why did we leave it then until the 79th minute to make any changes? So I don't I don't quite understand that. Just switching Eric Dyer into a back three left Musa Sissoko totally exposed pretty much on his own. Eriksen trying to help him took away any creativity part that Eriksen could have. And we just, you know, the, the last, from the moment it was 2-2, it was a really painful watch. So... Sad day for all, um, one you have to take on the chin, uh, one where I, hopefully a few harsh words have, have been said in the dressing room, but as I say, I think physically the, the, physically it was hard to, to match it, and um, just, a, just a bad day all round. Right, firstly, well Seb, I'm delighted to have you back on the show, I'm sorry it's under these circumstances, how have you been Seb and how are you coping on the back of that awful game at the weekend? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm okay, Rick. I, I mean, I it feels like we 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 have this moment in every season, or at least have done for the last couple, 
where there's a sort of um, it does usually come in the derby it seems but there's there's just a, a performance which suggests that all the negative traits haven't um, haven't been erased from the club's history and there's still this tendency to to for one of a better phrase not turn up to a game um, and also there, there was so much about yesterday that um, that was self defeating. I think that sort of most, most fans would concede that as soon as the, the team came out, as soon as we um, saw Toby Alderweire stuck on the bench, there was a there was this kind of uh, whatever positivity existed sort of evaporated from that moment. So I don't know. I mean, I also I, I was saying to one of my friends yesterday, when when the game's over with like, twenty minutes left to go, I feel like I can get I get I, I get a head start on my sulking about it. <laughs> so so I can kind of I was also um, I was also with in laws yesterday. So and and their their oh, family harder, isn't it? Even yeah, but this is the thing. Suffer was, that kind of result. <laughs> I, I thought it would be harder, but it was actually easier because it's really? kind of split down the middle between Spurs and Arsenal. But oh. because I was there and because there's a little bit of formality to the occasion, I couldn't I couldn't sulk for too long. Mm. You kind of you, you have to just go right. I'm 34 years old. I've got to grow up and uh, <laughs> and and just and just keep walking ahead. Um, so I'm okay. I'm okay. I, I just I also the, the precedents are good, Rick, because. You know that this result has occurred at different in different seasons, yeah. and usually around this time of year. And generally, hopefully, I'm not tempting fate. Generally, it's provoked a good run of form, yeah. um, a sort of mm. a tightening of the standards, a little bit of um, squad introspection, um, a few sort of you know it, it, it almost feels like it's a, it's a cleansing. I'm trying to put a very positive. <laughs> well, I, feel better, I feel better already, Seb. I feel better. Well, Let's just end the show there. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's it, and I'm, I, I will I will sign off. Yeah, um, I, but I, I believe it though because I, I think that um, I think most people that have watched Spurs definitely who watched Spurs live would have felt that Chelsea aside, this result's kind of been coming because mm. there have been a lot of imperfections. There've been a lot of games where they've played well in sort of 10, 15, 20 minute bursts, but then. There's something about it which doesn't make you feel terribly good. It's not very convincing. So maybe, um, maybe let, 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 let's look at it as a sort of let's get this out of the way and we move on. Okay. Well, like I said, Seb, we have to get this out of the way and move on. We're, obviously, we've got another game coming so fast against Southampton. But Mike, how are you coping? Firstly, how are you? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, luckily I got sent to Crystal Palace and not Tottenham today. So uh, <laughs> you know, so talking about their derby with Brighton. Um, yeah, I'm still very, very, very disappointed, actually, taking my work hat off and my supporters' hat on. Um, I'm baffled by certain things yesterday. The team selection, I'm sorry. You've got to play Toby in that game. Uh, I feel sorry I feel sorry for Jan Foyt, actually. I think it's hard to bring him into such a game. Um, and I just want to know what happened in the second half. I can't remember anything of any note of any positivity in the second half. The incident at the end with a Bamingang again is, is, is horrendous. Um, just an awful day. Um, and it's, it's just such a such a bad day, and it puts a horrible dent on what was what was a really great few days after beating Chelsea and Inter Milan. Um, so I've, yeah, it, it reminds me of a few years ago when Arsenal were brilliant under Wenger when they had the invincible era, and Tottenham were clearly a lesser side. But there was never a time where I went to White Hart Lane that every single Spurs player, although they were lesser in ability, they they gave it 110%. They they got the derby. Even the, the lesser players, like the Freunds and players like that, they got it. Yesterday, Arsenal players got it. And I'm at the moment, I'm questioning whether the Spurs players really understand that Arsenal is the derby. Mm. Because the problem Spurs have is for some reason, 
West Ham and Chelsea fans don't view Arsenal as their rivals. They clearly, dis- Tottenham is their number one derby. So Spurs always have to have this. They've got three London derbies with Chelsea, West Ham and Arsenal. Arsenal is the, the, the traditional one. I wonder sometimes, do, what's this, do some of the Spurs players look at Chelsea, West Ham and Arsenal as all in one? Because clearly yesterday, <laughs> Arsenal players looked like they wanted it more. And unfortunately, I have to say it, they deserve the win. Abby, I've got to bring you in. I mean, firstly, I, I hope you're OK. Um, I, say, I don't think anyone's OK on the back of that result. But I've got to ask you, Abby, you know, a Spurs team going in two and up at half-time against Arsenal and losing a game 4-2. I mean, what seems to be really the case with Spurs side is that, you know, when we do absolutely balls it up, we do it in style, don't we? I mean, what did you make of that game, Abby, and the complete capitulation in that second half? What What can you say about that result? I mean... I can't let this one go. I'm trying, I'm trying my best. What do you make of it, Abby? To be honest, I was at a wedding, so I was lucky <laughs> that I only got to see about 20 minutes of it. And in that 20-minute period, I actually got to see both of our goals. So I was actually in quite a pleasant mood as I went into, <laughs> as I went into the wedding, um, only for that to be completely ruined as she walked down the aisle and I saw the score. Um, obviously <coughs> not her, just just the score. Um, <laughs> but I th- I, again, from what I've heard, from what I've read, it comes down to tactics you know, why is Toby on the bench? I heard that apparently Toby wasn't well, but if he's not well, then what's he doing in the squad? Mm. Um, you know, it's it's not really fair to, like we said and touched on, to be putting Foy in, in such a big game. Um, but I, th- I think what, what Mike said earlier about the fact that our players don't get it, I, I kind of agree with him. You know, as the years have gone on, I think they care less and less about this one and they care more and more about Chelsea, which, I mean, I guess is a credit to us as a team as to maybe how much... We've grown under Poch or whatever, and we now view that as a much bigger game. But in terms of pride and in terms of what is always, like you said, has been the traditional game, it is always Arsenal. And I don't think in the last kind of three or f- three years or so, we've really turned up. And I think that may- there's maybe only one or two that actually have that passion in that game. Um, but in terms of tactics and stuff, he's uh, from what I've read and what I've heard, he got it completely wrong. So there is always that question with him that if it's not going our way, we are under it, that he doesn't make the changes quick enough, he doesn't make them early enough, and he doesn't always make the right calls when starting the team. I remember last season against them as well, there were so many question marks over the team selection, and we, everyone thought we were a banker to win it last season, that game. And similarly, this one as well, people did have us a favourite. So there was obviously a disconnect between the tactics he's trying to set out to the team mentality to what's actually coming and being shown on the pitch. So I don't really know. But I'm, I, I guess I'm over it now. I had a good evening. <laughs> well, the good thing is there's a game coming thick and fast. I mean, we are going to get into the tactics. We are going to get into the in-game management. And obviously, we've got a whole host of questions here that we're going to try and get through for you guys that you've kindly sent in to us. But I just want to bring it back to some of Amy's comments about the manager and come back around to you, Seb. Now, listen, you know on this show, and we make no bones about it, we adore Maurizio Pochettino. But are these the exact kind of games, Seb, that you look at and think, you know, when the substitutions require to be made... We just don't seem to do it earlier enough. And, you know, once again, from an in-game management perspective from Poch, I just think at times, you know, it's far too reactive rather than proactive. Do you think I'm fair in saying that? Yeah, definitely. I don't think you find any Tottenham fan that would disagree with that, Rick, because it's just, it's been a continuous theme. It's a, you see, you can see trends in the game developing. I mean, it, admittedly, it's a little bit easier to, to do it from inside the stadium on TV sometimes, but you can see the troubling areas grow in a game. Um and yesterday, obviously, um, you know, I, I've been a, a big fan of what Musa Sissoko has done over the last sort of six weeks or so. Um, but clearly, 
it wasn't right for him yesterday. And that, that game called out at 2-2, certainly that game called out for a little bit of control. Someone who's a little bit more comfortable on the ball and doesn't mind receiving possession, you know, within a press. Um, and yet, also, I, I suppose also, I mean, I think Holman uh, Summers was probably um, probably the most productive player yesterday. He still made some dreadful decisions mm. with his opportunities, but he... Um, you know, he, he, was, he was very lively for about an hour, but then at a certain point it became obvious that he was spent. And he thought, okay, well, we've got not, not, not a like-for-like player, but a similar sort of vertical threat on the bench. Someone that wants the ball at his feet, will happily take players on, uh, and is a goal threat. Um, and yet it, it, it waited in, he, he waited until the game was really out of reach before introducing those two players. And it was just, I don't know, at that point it felt counterproductive. At that point, it wasn't even about chasing the game. It was about keeping the score down. Um, and I, 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 I don't know what it is because I, there, there's so much. I, I still don't feel like I've got a proper handle on on Pochettino because I, I understand his philosophy and I understand what his football is trying to do. I know I understand probably about sixty to seventy percent of um, the sort of the intrinsic detail. What I don't get is for someone that that's so willing to um, to tweak his formations in within a game to you know drop a, a third centre back in push a man into midfield that kind of stuff he's very flexible and yet when it comes to going to his bench there's this there's a strange hesitation um and now that there are i mean it, let's be realistic tottenham still don't have the bench of a team like arsenal you know man united man city liverpool etc um so his options are pretty limited i don't think anyone you know can really hold a grudge for him not bringing on george kevin and kodu a couple of years ago you know but the, these yeah. players they're, they're there to fill a, fill a seat basically on the bench um but now there are game changes there. I mean, Lamella was out, and that was a miss. But you know, Mora was there, Winks was there. You know, there, there, there were options. Danny Rose was there at fullback, and you know, Ben Davis again had a terrible game. Um, sadly, not not for the first time this season. I don't understand. I don't have an answer for you, Rick. I I, I don't. Um, I've never heard a, an explanation for it. He's been asked about it in press conferences, and, and sort of, you know, the, the, all of you will know this, but he's he's generally quite an affable guy. I mean, he's not. I mean, his English isn't quite good enough for him to be expressive, but the only times he gets he gets terse are when you know his decisions not to change a player are, are questioned, or you know he he. Um, I think Alistair Gould from Football London asked him yesterday about um, about uh, one fourth performance, and he sort of he gave a very strange reaction to it. I mean, I, I, Alistair's piece is the full transcript, so maybe maybe listeners should read that. Um, but it's it's odd. I I, I just I, I don't understand the way his mind works in that situation. Mm. We're going to come on to more about the tactics, but Mike, so bring it back to the game itself, you know, you're very vocal in terms of the performance and the team selection. Just on the performance itself, um, questioning, or cut the questions in here, this is from THSC Forever, who says, why before a big game, this North London derby in the cut semi-final last year, Poch downplays it in the run-up, question mark. Then another one, he says, this is Ron Rubes, who says, why is it when we play at the Emirates, we always find it difficult to raise our game? But the opposition comes out all guns blazing, more so than any previous matches. Now, Mike, I mean, you must have watched that first 20 minutes yesterday. And Arsenal, it was almost similar to Spurs the week before against Chelsea. They flew out the blocks, high-pressing game, didn't allow Spurs to settle. Why are we Spurs sitting back like that in that first 20 minutes, Mike? It's almost <coughs> like we're expecting Arsenal to just kind of retreat. And we should have maybe already been aware that it's a big game for them. The crowd are going to be rocking. It's the manager's first North London derby. Shouldn't we might be expecting them to come out the blocks one and try and match that intensity? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I want to give Unai Emery some credit. I mean, I think he's done a really good job so far. I've never seen Arsenal press like that. Um, and clearly they have 
sort of revitalised after Wenger's departure and Emery looks like the better, much better candidate after originally going for Mikel Arteta. Um, <laughs> in terms of the pressing, with Poch, talk about the first question you mentioned there, Pochettino. I think Poch is always very guarded in his presses anyway, whether, whether it's team selection, um, a lot of transfers, you'll never get a good line out. It doesn't matter how good your question is, his, tra- his line on transfers is, it's all rumour. You don't get a lot out of him, but despite him being one of the nicest men in football. Um, in terms of the first 20 minutes, I was pretty horrified. I was disappointed. Um, and crazy, really, when we went in front, because we didn't deserve it. Um, and that was my hope. I thought at the time that Pochettino would have giving them a kick up the backside and they were kicking down the at the end where our fans were and I was actually quite hopeful for the second half I thought Arsenal would tire um, but can't give Arsenal credit my worry is that they they clearly wanting it more you look at all their players on social media as I said earlier they get it and I'm I just wonder if all ours get it because they used to get it um, it's a tough one um, it's just so disappointing Uh Looking at it now, if Tottenham had won yesterday, how would he have approached the cup game? The way I see it now, I mean, it's got to go for that cup game now. Look, it has I to. Mean, Rick, I mean, I tell you, Rick, I mean, mm. likely next week, it, it's, it would be amazing if Tottenham qualified from this Champions League group. If we're, if we're realistic, it's unlikely. Mm. But they have to, as you say, they have to go for this oh, cup game now. I don't know if it's over it twice, Mike, in a couple of weeks. I don't know if it's over losing yeah. them twice. If I see the team, and I see, with the greatest respect, a Vorm in there, a Lorente up there, oh. anything like that, then I think that, that, that there's going to be some serious criticism there. Mm. I do understand and appreciate that it's a really, really long month of games. I think there's nine games. Yeah, there is. It's a lot of games. Uh, and I do appreciate that's not easy. But they do have a luxury now of having maybe a, a Lamella and a, and a Lucas in, the Son and an Eriksson one day. I think it's clear that, that, that Son... He looks pretty revitalised after having the November international break off. Mm. He looks like he's had a little bit of a break. Um, he has to juggle with the team, but but he has to go to Arsenal now in that cup game with with his pretty much strongest eleven. Yeah. Because I, as a fan, I can't. I've already gone off two social media accounts today, at Arsenal, <laughs> and I don't. I can't go off Twitter. No. But I can't. Fate, I can't help but look. Um, I know, it's one of those awful things, isn't and, it? You can't help but look, yeah. And yeah, and I think the fans are... Uh, you don't want to be too hard, because it's been a great few weeks. Of course. It's been a difficult season yeah. off the field. But there were things yesterday where where criticism is, is warranted. Mm. Now, just on the back to the, the tactics and the man, man management side, Paul Bennett sends in a question. He says, guys, our ability to counteract Arsenal substitutions during the game cost us. Did Potts really learn nothing from that Juventus game last term? No doubt, no doubt the changes at half-time cost us. When will Potts learn? Now, Abby, I want to ask you, we look at key moments in pivotal games, you know, let's go the last year or so. You look at, you know, the 63rd minute against Juventus, 61st minute against United in the Cup semi-final, and then at the weekend, 73rd minute against Arsenal on the Sunday. You look at key moments in games where something needs to, needs to be changed and we fail to do it. And you brought it up in your initial part that, you know, for you, Pochettino, you know, at times, he's not flexible enough. He doesn't seem to be quick enough when it comes to changing the game. You know, Emery changed his tactics in the second half, which allowed Arsenal to get back into the game, get into the lead. Do you think Poch is learning? Because we have to also give it fair to Poch that, you know, against the Inter, well, Inter Milan, 
he changes the game, brings Ericsson on and Spurs win. We've seen Spurs dig out, you know, a very hard fought win against PSV. So those two Champions League games there that, you know, Pot has found a way to win. Do you think he's learning Abby or is there more to it than this? Um I wouldn't say he's I wouldn't say he's learning. I'd say that, you know, for the first leg against Inter, um, when we lost, um, you know, he made substitutions and they were the wrong substitutions. So it's hard because obviously against the one against the return legs when we've won them, he has made the right ones and it has been effective. But I just get this feeling that with him, he never ever makes a change prior to seventy minutes. You know, and you're lucky if he does it at seventy minutes. I just get the feeling that he looks at the bench and he doesn't feel like anyone is effective. Because if he did, you would do what um, Unai Emery did yesterday. You know, he saw the problem and immediately rectified it. And and effectively, the, the substitutions are, are what have won him the game yesterday because of of the changes he made. So he obviously looks up our bench sometimes and thinks there's no one there that can improve what we've what we've got on the field. So I'm going to leave it. But then at what point do you say, okay, well. Whose fault is that? Is that Pochettino's fault for not um, for not making the changes, or is that the board's fault that we haven't got a good enough squad players, or is it tactically it's incorrect? So I don't really know who it comes down to, but I I would like to think he's learning, um, but I, I don't know. I mean, cl- clearly not after yesterday. Mm. I mean, clearly Seb, not. Bringing it back you Seb, you know, he did come out and say after the game that you know Arsenal were fresher than Spurs, and we know that because Arsenal didn't have the luxury of being in the Europa League to rest. You know, nine of those players from the squad which played at the weekend. His words were they were so fresh because eight or nine didn't play on the Thursday, and they were preparing for the game itself. Now that would stand true because you look at that game, Seb, and to be for the last twenty minutes, you could see these Spurs players were dead out on their feet, but. It, that for me is not a, you know, it's not enough a credible excuse to use. I don't think for that performance overall, Seb. No, no, I, I agree. I mean, you can't. There's really no getting away from the fatigue issue. I mean, you look at well, someone like Sissoko has played 90 minutes uh, twice in a week before he even came to that game. So you ask a central midfielder to do another 90 minutes in a derby game. That's that's a tough ask. I think one of the one of the problems, Rick, uh, uh, is that sort of w- when the summer happened and. Well, a lot of fans and journalists asked why there was no activity in the transfer market and, and why certain areas of the squad weren't being strengthened. Pochettino seems to, he, he's a company man in a way. I mean, he's very loyal to Daniel Levy, it seems. And he sort of, you know, he, he kind of backtracked on the comment he made back in, I think it was the end of May. We talked about needing to get stuff done early and being brave and, and that kind of stuff. Um, now, he, what he can't do now is, is sort of turn around and start talking about, well, yeah, well, I've got a problem with my fullbacks because neither of them are really good enough to be playing at this level. Um, I've got a problem in central midfield because Moussa Dembele has been coming towards the end of his career or uh, towards the end of his prime for quite a long time now and we haven't really done anything to to prepare for that. Um, and so he's left with a very small pool of excuses. So he's left talking about, fat- uh, about fatigue over and over and over again. And on the one hand, as a fan, you don't want to hear it, but you know, with a, with a more rational hat on, it, you just it's just the reality of it. It's a kind of it's it's what the, I, I don't want to sort of tag everything to the new stadium, but clearly is is uh, retracted um, the, the the club's muscle in the transfer market and has prevented them from doing things that they might like to do, um, and so we're left in a situation where no one can ever really be be that satisfied because you just you can't you can't assuage the feeling left by a derby defeat by talking about well you know conditioning this and conditioning mm. that and not, not squad depth because it's insufficient. Derby is an emotional game. Yeah. It doesn't stand up to to rational analysis because no, no one wants to hear it at the time. Even twenty four hours to a week later, people people aren't interested. You just think 
it's about competing and, and, and in games of that intensity um yeah it, it just it accentuates all the problems we have and especially when you again if, if you it's not just two games in a week um leading up to that it's two must win games really i mean chelsea for the obvious emotional reasons into milan because well it is win or, it, it was win or bust that night yeah. um so you're asking players to to peak at a certain level three times in six days it just it's just not going to happen mm. um unfortunately Listen, we are going to bring on to the team selection. Obviously, we're 20 minutes in. We haven't really discussed the team selection. Obviously, there's so many talking points. Obviously, the big one is being about 1-4-F. And Mike, you mentioned it initially as you came on air. So we've got so many questions. It's only right we bring these to you. So Incognito says, was it right to choose the inexperienced 4-F over Toby? Dazza says, why did Poch rest Toby for this? And why didn't he change players at the 50 to 60 minutes? Obviously, we've got so many questions in, guys. Graham Hooper, Old Man Hotspur, you know, so many guys getting in touch in terms of, you know, substitutions and team selections. Let's just bring it down to the point here, Mike, that you look at that team selection he puts out for the Arsenal game. Now, we all know 1-4-5 is a huge part of the future at Tottenham. Being Toby Adverud, we have one of the best, if not the best, central defenders in the Premier League. And you think, in a derby... Surely, Mike, you have to play your best team. Surely you do. Well, yeah, I've not heard what Abby had heard about. Potentially, Toby wasn't very well. I mean, if that's the case, then that answers it. But yeah, I, of course. I, didn't yeah. hear, I wasn't in the presser. Um, for the po- I wasn't there yesterday for the post-match. So, he did, I don't think Pochettino said that. I, no, I didn't did read that. At no point has he come out and said at all, for the moment, as we're aware, and we're calling on a Monday night here, he hasn't come out and said at any point that Toby has got this high injury. Obviously, maybe Abby knows more than what we all do, but yeah, he hasn't come out <laughs> well, and said that at the moment, from what the, we gather. The, the pro- the, the, Pochettino's presser is tomorrow, and I'm, I've got a feeling he'll come out, he, he could be good tomorrow, because remember, he, was, he was quite animated last week on the situation about not having fight in the Champions League that's right. Um, squad selection. Now, obviously, that means Foyt um, played in, didn't play in that game, which means Toby was in, in played in there. But as you say, when you got Vertonghen and Toby together, I, I love it. My only worry when that team came out yesterday was I'm not Aurier's biggest fan, and I think Ben Davis is having a really poor season. So, and Arsenal have done well going forward. So it might, that was my worry. Uh, and fight who he's gonna he's gonna be good. I like him. He's good on the ball. He's got a bit about him, and you just get the feeling that Poch loves him. But it's a lot to ask for him mm. to, to come into that team in such a such an atmosphere. I think it took I think it took Spurs back a bit. I have to say, um, they were making silly mistakes. Kept passing back to Hugo. I mean, Jan Vertonghen making a mistake, giving a penalty. So away. unlike Jan, isn't it? I it's mean, not we're, like we're, Jan we're gonna bring it on, but. Mike, I've got to ask you, for Aubameyang, you know, in the in the, in the the tunnel, you say, 15 minutes beforehand, the Arsenal players get that team line-up, and he must be thinking, oh, I don't really fancy playing against Toby Adamaville and Jan Bertongen today. When he sings that team shit, and there's no disrespect at all you, to Wayne Thorwell, because I think this guy's got an abundance of potential, I think he's going to be a brilliant Spurs player in the future, but you can't tell me that Aubameyang is sitting there thinking, you know, oh, I'm really not looking forward to playing Wan Foyd as much as the fear maybe of playing against Toby Odeville and Yan Matong, you know, two defenders that have played together for years. As we know, have got a, yeah. such a telepathic partnership. Surely Aubameyang yeah. fancies his chances before the game even kicks off, Mike. Uh, well, absolutely. But the problem we had with Aubameyang is we give him a penalty to score inside the first 10 minutes. Right. <laughs> Score early and then you're confident, aren't you? You want more. Aubameyang played against Spurs uh, at Wembley and he didn't mm. t- barely touch the ball. Um, but, you know, he, he, you're going to gain confidence from scoring that early goal. Um, and in terms of the substitutions, I was crying out for Harry Winks. 
in the second half. The game was lost by the time we were making the substitutions. We just needed a bit of guile in there. And I'm talking about players who get it. I mean, you can see Winks was riled up the mm. minute he came on. Of course. He gets it. He's a local lad. He knows what it's all about. Um, as did Ramsey when he came on. Um, that I'd like to see more a bit of that. A couple of half-time changes here and there like Emery did and, and things like that. Look, as brilliant as Potch is, and he has transformed this football club, he's still learning. He's still he's... a young coach. He's a young manager. You know, and he's still learning. It, it's, a, it's not a disaster. It's a little blip. It's actually quite incredible. Just it, It's amazing, really, how, how far Tottenham have come. And it's an example how far they've come by Arsenal's celebration towards one result. Oh, of course. None, none of this, it's happened again. Or anything well, like Gwen Dozy yesterday, you would have thought they won the league the way we were celebrating well, that car, Absolutely. Mike. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all their Instagram accounts like North London is red, blah, blah, blah. Funny enough, Tot- none of the Tottenham players did that when they no, won at Wembley. They don't. No, at the end of the day, no. it is just one game, but it just hurts so it much. Mm. It hurts. But as I said earlier, we've, we've got two weeks to, to get it right. We and, you know, yeah. we do have this trophy stigma. I, I think it goes way over the top in the press about the lack of trophies because only, there's only two up for grabs realistically every year. Um, but there is an opportunity now to go there. And those players say, don't let that happen to you again. Spot on. And, and it, here's the opportunity. And I've gone from, I really didn't want to play Arsenal in this cup. And I don't like playing teams together when you play them in the league, like West Ham recently. Mm, yeah. But now, I wouldn't want any other fixture. And that is what I want the players to be feeling. Oh, Mike, we need to put you in that dressing room 15 minutes before, I think. Honestly, <laughs> so spot on. Well, well I was in, I, uh, it's funny you say that. I was in full, like, Tottenham jacket and Tottenham jogging bottoms yesterday. So I could, I could have been... <laughs> could have snuck you in 15 minutes before kick-off, Mike. Grossly, if I wasn't grossly unfit. But, yeah, there we go. Oh, dear. I mean, Abby, yeah. can I ask you? I mean, like, the way I looked at the, the line-up when I first saw it is... And I, we're 26 minutes in... We're still talking about the lineup here. We're going to get onto the game very shortly. But, Abby, when I looked at that team, I just thought maybe it's Pochettino having one eye on the future, thinking, let's be honest about it. We all love Toby Adavir. We want him to stay for life. Let's not be stupid. He's probably not going to sign a new deal. He is probably going to leave the club. Is he having one eye on the future, thinking, I need to see if Juan Foyf has got the ability to step up and he's ready in these kind of games? And the only way I'm going to find out is by giving him these high-pressure games. But in hindsight, as we see, it wasn't the right decision. Was Potts right to take that gamble, Abby, do you think? No, I don't think he's right to take that at all. I mean, personally, I, I don't know why Toby didn't play. I mean, I can only go by what I've heard and what I've been told. But if he if he's on the bench, then he should be fit enough to play, mm. in my opinion. Yeah. Or come on at some point when, you know, at 2-2, two, two, even if just, just to put him on instead of putting Dyer, Dyer in, in the middle of them. Um throwing him into that game the kids only played a couple games for us you know and yes he's done well and yes he's talented and yes he will be good in the future um but i don't really think it's fair to to throw him in the deep end in such a you know in such a big game um in such a big week um maybe it's a case that toby now can't play x amount of games in a week um i've heard that lamella can't play more than two games in a week or can't or something like that to do with his hip or this or that um there's just so many things that go on at the club that people don't even hear about and you just hear random things all the time um but i don't really think it's fair however i will say that you know i think you touched on it earlier you know giving a bamiang a penalty within the first eight minutes from such an experienced key player in our team being vertonghen after he's just come back after such a long spell out i think it's just kind of unacceptable the way that he that, that he 
that he was playing as so he was guiding the team and leading from the back i mean you, you just shouldn't be doing that at his level you know you've got to, you've got to know better and if you've got someone like that next to you in foyt who's learning and taking example from you you have to lead better than that and lead that back four because ultimately that was the biggest problem and one of our biggest problems that unfortunately i think we've had this season um whereas our past couple of seasons under Potch, we've actually had quite a good defence but I just don't really see it this year you know we are shaky at times and you know we've said Ben Davis is not having a great season Aurier is so hit or miss um and I have to say I think Trippy has also been very hit or miss this season unfortunately um so it's a shame and also we're missing Sanchez who um I think people don't rate him as highly as they should especially for his age mm. um but I thought last season he he was pretty outstanding for the most part um con- considering we'd gone from having such a rock solid uh, back three or back four at times um i thought he he did well for the most part so I, I personally don't think he should have been thrown in on that game i think it was too big of a game for him and as a manager you can you can love a player so much but you have to you have to know when his time is ready and i don't think that he was ready mm. for that it's a horror but i don't think that's his, it's not his fault it's not his fault because no. i don't think it's it's just lack of experience and lack of big game experience and lack and, and knowing when to play the pass and not to play the pass and what to do um but it, it, again who who does that come down to it comes down to comes down to the manager why are you not picking one of your best if not your best central defender if he's on the bench yeah and the flip of the other coin said bringing it round to you is if you know spurs do go on to win that game and fourth plays Pochettino is remarked as a genius for making that team selection, isn't he? It just is it, that isn't the nature of football. Yeah, I think so, Rick. I mean, I, I you know there, there was a, there was a moment really early on in the game which which has stuck with me. It's just before the penalty was conceded when um, Serge Aurier uh, failed to control the ball. It ran behind him, um, and you know the Spurs defence scrambled to, to clear it for, for the corner. And um, it's clearly Aurier's mistake, and he reacts to it by yelling in infield in at Foyth. And I just thought, look, it's it's one of those sort of incidentals that fans pick up on. I accept that, but it's such a it was such a weird moment. It's such a strange thing, a strange response to give to a to a young kind of um, not impressionable, but but sort of potentially fragile player. Um, and I, I also I, I don't I don't really agree that sort of the the line which separated. I know none of the the other guys are saying this, but it, the, yesterday wasn't about Juan Foyth really. I mean, he was culpable for Arsenal's third goal, obviously. Um, but it's sort of he, he he didn't do that badly. I thought actually Jan Vertonghen was far worse across the course of the game, given given what he's been in the past and given that he's played at World Cups and European Championships. I thought his performance was awful, um, and his tackle on 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 Lacazette was it just I don't know it was reckless, irresponsible. He, he sort of cost himself um, the Southampton game. But in one fourth, I think I think there's a sort of. There are, there are at least a few straight lines between him and a young John Stones, and that you've got this sort of expressive player who needs to be exposed to, to these kind of games, who needs to be able to make the odd mistake, as he did against Wolves, as he, he really did against Chelsea with the hazard penalty, which wasn't given. Um, and, you know, I, I think over time, uh, Spurs will end up in credit with a player like that. But then this is the game they have to play. Like, if you want, if you can't, if you can't improve your squad via the transfer market, via off-the-peg, ready-made players, you're going to have this situation. And it's unfortunate that it's happening with the centre-half, um, but it, it, it is what it is. I, again, I, I know that's not really, that's not going to make anyone feel any better, but you kind of, there has to be a bigger picture here. Because either with this kind of guy, you, you say to him, right, you're playing against, you know, Macclesfield reserves in the League Cup and nothing else. And that's the kind of the old Europa League thing where 
no one benefits from that at all. There's no there's no value to, to for a young player. Or you say to him, Yes, I trust you. You go and do this, and even if you make mistakes, I'm still going to keep picking you. Yeah. And you know, it, it's I I think it's the right approach. I don't. I was surprised Alderweireld was left out. Of course, I was. And I if if he was completely fit, then that's a very strange decision. Um, but let's let let let's let's wait to see what Pochettino says because I, I think I think there is a valid um, point somewhere in the kind of the conditioning aspect of things because he has had hamstring injuries in each of the last two seasons. They have cost him long periods of both. Um, so maybe this was a case of saying, right, well, you know, we've got Barcelona, we've got Southampton, we've got Leicester away at the end of this week, um, and we've got that other Arsenal Cup tie. Um, so it might be that. Let, let, let's let's wait and see on that one. I, I just I don't, I don't want to see anyone throw throw Voigt under the bus because he, he's the mistakes aside. I know that's a big if and a big asterisk, but the mistakes aside, he's actually played extremely well. I think um, in patches. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, there'll be a, there'll be a reaction to this and an improvement from it. I'm sure. Mike, I want to discuss Jan Vertonghen with you now. Anyone listens to, to our show on a weekly basis, we adore this guy Jan. He needs to be a Rolls Royce of a defender. And, you know, it's very hard speaking about Jan in such negative terms because I'm just not used to doing it. He's been, as we know, Vertonghen, such the the backbone of this defence when the likes of Sanchez has been out, Aldevira has been out, the goalkeeper's been changed. Vertonghen has always shown himself to be a credit. He's always played <coughs> so, so well. Therefore, I have to ask you, Mike, you know, his actions in that first 10 minutes or so to put his arm up for a defender that's so intelligent I've never ever seen him do that before, whether it's for Belgium or Spurs or for any previous club. What goes through your mind as a defender there, Mike, to put your arm up when you know you're going to give away a penalty? There's no alternative decision that can be made. What is he thinking at that point in time, Mike? Uh, I, I was so I didn't realise it was for Tonga. I thought it might have been Foyt. Yes, yeah, I agree. It's not in the something, and I'm sorry to Foyt again because I agree with Seb. He did have a decent game, and I really like Ford. And if it wasn't for the Wolves penalties, I don't think we'd even be talking about being worried about him. But, yeah, as you say, it didn't seem like Vertonghen at all. It's also, I think it's probably the first time he's played alongside Foyce as well. Because, uh, obviously, Vertonghen's come back about four weeks earlier. Um, look, it's one poor performance in about six years for exactly. Vertonghen. I'm, yeah, I, I'm one of his biggest fans. He doesn't cause any problem. If he was slightly more vocal as a man, he'd probably be our captain. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've got nothing but respect for him. He's a he's a role model on and off the pitch. I can I, I can have I can take players having poor games. It happens. He's usually ultra consistent. It's just disappointing that it's happening in a game of this magnitude. All I'm asking for now is for the players just to get up for the next derby game and then trounce them at, at home. Yeah. You know, and, that, and then I'm okay and, and finishing <laughs> above them. Ultimately, it's one game. It's just, as I said before, it's painful. Mm. And with everything now with social media, you cannot get away from it. Someone's posted a video. Someone was posted an Arsenal player. You know, celebrating outside a chicken shop in Finsbury Park. <laughs> you can't get away from it. But it is one game. If, it, if they lose to Manchester United and Spurs beat Southampton, then it really is just one game. Yes, yeah, isn't it? It's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. I, I don't think anyone really got under, knew how good this Arsenal team where they had a mm. good run of fixtures their Europa League groups I just you know it's such an easy Europa League group they're in they're Brett, Blackpool and Brentford or whoever in the League Cup <laughs> but credit must credit let's let's give them some credit uh, if we're going to be professional if we have to um, they, might, they if played we have well to. <laughs> they, they, well I know I know they were more up for it and as I say I think they've made a good a good appointment in Unai Emery mm. it's just for Spurs now they have to bounce back and um 
you know, that's Stein against Southampton, a team, they're a poor side under Mark Hughes. They, they really are poor. I, I can't see him a reaction just yet for Southampton. Spurs need to, that is a must win three points. Yeah. We're going to do that preview on that game live on Love Sport for you tonight if you're listening to the show on a Tuesday. Abby, <laughs> thoughts on Jan Vertonghen? And the last time we had you on, you was in awe of this guy. We know how much we all love Jan on this show. That's why his actions on Saturday, well, sorry, his actions on the Sunday against Arsenal, they were just so unlike Jan. I mean, I say that opening 10 minutes, the sending off. What did you make of his overall performance? And do you honestly think in your heart of hearts, Abby, that if Alderweireld was alongside him then maybe those actions didn't happen. Or do we also have to consider, you know, Vertonghen has only just come back from a hamstring injury. He's had to play two games in a week. Should he have been the guy maybe that was on the bench as opposed to Alderweireld, Abby? Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. I mean, look, I'm such a big fan of him. So I think, it, I think like Mike said, it's just, it's the shock of it because you just don't expect those mistakes and those poor decision-making things to be, to be done by him um, when he's always been so consistent and so great for us. Um but I, I mean, if he, I, my thing is, if they're fit enough to play, then they just should be playing. Mm. Whether or not he, either way, whoever's on the bench, it makes no difference. If one's on the bench, then why are you not fit enough to start? So it just, it, it kind of is like a catch twenty two because you just go round and round in circles with with the scenario and the situation. Um, obviously, he's been out for a long time, um, but I mean, it doesn't affect doesn't affect your brain to know to not put your arm up in that situation um, and to make better decisions. At, Abby, what at is his he level thinking there? Experience. Tell us what you think he's thinking. I just it's just so not yet, and it's just so not anybody, is it? Why would you put your arm oh, up? I just don't understand. I really, it. I don't know. It's just I think it's just one of those heads gone moments, mm. and it's just. I don't know because it's it's just so frustrating that it just is in that game because you know we've had we had such a good week we had we came out flying from Chelsea we played so That's well yeah. um, haven't seen us play like that for since probably we left White Hart Lane or maybe last season the Champions League one of the games at home um, but and again I thought Inter was a solid performance as well I thought we fully deserved that win um, ground it out took longer than expected but we did it um, it's just so frustrating it was in that game. Um, and it happened in, in the way it happened. Um, but I just I just expect better decisions to be made from Vertonghen, someone who's of that level and of that stature and of that experience. I just I, I don't think anyone could give you an answer of what he was thinking, quite mm. honestly. I don't even think he'd give you an answer. It's just one of those moments that your head's just gone on it. Yep. So then, like I say, therefore, we gave away the penalty. Aubameyang converted it. Spurs did respond at an in-style Christian Eriksen whipping in a free kick. Eric Dyer heading home unmarked with Leno unable to stop it and celebrating in front of the Arsenal supporters. You know, a player criticised a lot this season. What did you make of his overall performance, Seb, Eric Dyer? And um, at the time, I got to be honest with you, I did go ballistic at that goal, hence the reason why I'm in the state I'm in. Um, <laughs> just, It was a great moment as a Spurs fan, the way he did silence him. I just wish that goal would have kept him saying more, Seb, on the day. Yeah, I mean, in terms of his performance this season, I think everything about Eric Dyer has to be tempered by recognition that sort of the, there's this rotating cast of players in midfield at the moment, and there's you know players players are sent out with instructions, but there's not an awful lot of natural chemistry. Also, I, I know he looked vaguely competent at centre half when when he first came to the club, but there's something about him now when he goes back there which just unsettles me. Um, Obviously, his, his sort of his lunge for uh, the Torreira goal, which I'm sure we'll get to, is pretty ugly. I know I, I, I've got I've got a slightly controversial opinion about about the way he he celebrated, and I mean, I, I totally get the sort of um, Mike's opinion about players understanding the derby and players having uh, the right emotional setting for it. I just worry sometimes with this group of players. Some of them 
I don't know. I, I don't really know how to describe it, but some some of them some of them are far too quick to kind of to deviate from a game plan and sort of settle into to score settling um, situations across the pitch. And I, I just worry that you know that the dire moment was a little bit okay. We like seeing it as fans, very gratifying. Was it was it that helpful within the context of the game? Was was that a situation which called for stoking up the Arsenal substitutes and their fans? Or was it more of a kind of a, a cold-blooded situation? You want to take the heat out of that yeah. situation at the Emirates. They were after it. it was clear, you know, from, from the way they started the game, the crowd was going to be loud. They got the early goal. That's the moment when, if this was the old White Hart Lane, the whole ground would go quiet. Everyone would start getting nervous. We'd start groaning. And all of a sudden, you see the nervousness in the pitch. That's really what you want to try and encourage. And I think a couple of these players, that they're a little bit hot-headed. Um, I, I don't know whether that's about the derby or the atmosphere, but you see it every now and again. It just seems so counterproductive. And I thought Dyer, I don't know, I, 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 I don't want to over-egg it. It wasn't like you think it was a, a spontaneous reaction, but it just, in hindsight, it looks so ill-judged. Um, and yeah, I, I don't, I also, I, I, I don't think he's played well enough. If you're going to give it like that, you've got to have a good game. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, quite right, you're going to be made fun of. And he was, he was poor. He looked clumsy on the ball. His passing, his, his passing is generally quite good, but his passing was 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 pretty awful yesterday. Um, so no, I, I don't. I mean, I, I've got no problem with Eric Dyer. Every every team needs that that kind of player. Uh, but um, well, like like a, like a few guys, he's well below the standard he set a few years ago. Mm. I mean, come around to you, Mike. You know, Spurs did turn the game on its head, holding Brung down Son in the box. Did you think at the time, Mike, it was a penalty, or was you too busy celebrating it to even give a toss? <laughs> <laughs> Clear penalty. No, can I, can I just, can I just quickly mention? Can I just quickly mention something on the celebrating? Please do. Yeah, go for it, Mike. Please but, do. Before I attended games on a journalist's point of view, if I attended games as a fan, Robert Perez had a great record against Tottenham, and he would do this that celebration every single yeah, year. That's right. Chadley did it a couple of years ago as well when he scored. Yeah. Van der Vaart yeah. even, Mike. Van der Vaart. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, now, yeah. Something happened on that bench with the with the subs, and it got it spiraled out of control. I heard there was one thing about uh, one of the Arsenal players apparently went to spit at one of our. There's there's a load of stories which mm. you hear in there. Yeah, yeah. But um, so I don't look. I don't mind. Look, the worst thing in derbies is he, not pushing and shoving. It's half and half scarves. Yeah, right. That's so what I'm, I'm spot on. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I I really. Uh, the failing control of it, I can see why. But oh my goodness, goodness me! It's a derby for goodness sake. My problem was, I think Dyer probably lost his way a bit after that. He got yeah. a bit too heavy. And the problem was, the guy he's having a pop at, he's telling Ramsey to go and sit back down. Ramsey, Ramsey comes on the second half, and he has a brilliant half. And that's the thing, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> and he's not. And also, Arsenal's midfield. I wondered why Arsenal wanted to get rid of Jack Wilshere so quickly in the summer. Now I know why. Yeah. They have made a very, very good signing in that Torreira. He's a good player. Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't like to keep crediting Arsenal, but I have to say again, he's a classy little player, and I can see why Arsenal fans are so, so, so high on him. Um, so yes, yeah, so going, going back. What was, what was the question? Sorry, I wanted to talk about. Well, the, the, the question was, I mean, did <laughs> you think the son was a penalty? Forget that, then, Mike. He put it in the back of net. We went mental at the time, didn't we? I mean, God. Yeah, I mean, scenes I mean, at two I mean, one I mean, was mad. Yeah, I mean, Harry, you just you'd put anything on him at the moment. My my worry is he's is the other end. I don't I don't remember if Lloris has ever saved a penalty for top. Well, this is another. Yeah. <laughs> he just doesn't get. I love him. But he doesn't get anywhere near them. No. 
Anyway. <laughs> uh, on Harry, you mentioned Harry there, Mike. You know, the guy himself, he scored eight goals in eight Premier League games against Arsenal. He called the record for most Premier League goals in a North London derby. Kane, I know it sounds silly, he done nothing yesterday apart from putting the ball in the back of the net. <laughs> Just, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, that's his job. That's what he's there for. If Spurs go on to win the game, Kane is hailed again as this, you know, potent striker, always scores in the derbies. I mean, again, Great penalty. But apart from that, Mike, again, he had a bit of a quiet game, didn't he, Harry? And it's hard to criticise Harry when he does so much for this team week upon week. Yeah. Again, you know, I, it's hard with him because I think there are times where you see a bit of fatigue. And, mm. you know, I, I, you know, I, I realise and appreciate he's the captain of England, so he always has to be around there. But, That's God right. blimey, he has not had a break at all. No, exactly. So, I mean, he didn't really have a touch just And it was annoying because there's a few Arsenal fans who quite well known on social media that like to dig him out and I think it's pure jealousy personally mm, of course um, so certainly yeah obviously yeah, I mean the penalty was nailed up he was going to score um, I, I mean it's just really it's a mystery the second half is a complete mystery mm. I'm baffled uh, I saw no fight and, that, and, that, and to be honest with you that goes for all of them I, I can't think of anyone apart from when Winks came on when it was way too late mm. I can't give anyone any credit for the second half whatsoever and that's my disappointment mm. I mean I hate to do it, guys. You know, we have to try and dissect the show as best as we can. I mean, Abby, bringing it round to you. Anything you want to say about Harry Kane again? So clinical from the spot. Kane being Kane, isn't he? Abby, he's always going to score from the spot. I just can't criticise him. I just can't. The, th the things he does <laughs> offer the ball, you know, week in, week out. And people are you know, people who don't see him week mm. in, week out love to criticise. Um, but when he's playing for England, he's the best thing since sliced bread. Um, and I think if he, I've seen it so many times, people said it on social media, if he was Italian, if he was Spanish, if he was anything else other yeah, than spot English, on, spot people on. would be obsessed with him. But it's because he's English, it's because there's always such negativity around anyone that is English. They're always, like, look at Raheem Sterling, they're always trying to find a way to make him and spin it in something negative or say he's not good enough, this and that. Well, he's killing it for City. So he, we all know he's at that level, top level. Exactly the same as Harry Kane. Um, you know, he goes three games without scoring. He's having a drought. You know, the world's ending. It's, it's just ridiculous. I mean, his work rate is ridiculous, even when he's not scoring. Every, his, his, his team ethic, the way he leads from the front. And he just, I don't think there's anything wrong with Harry. And I don't blame him for being tired. Like we just said, he, he hasn't had a summer off in God knows how long. So you, you've got to give him a break. Um, but I, I just won't ever criticise him. I think without him, we'd be in such... A terrible situation. Oh, um, the amount of times he saved us, um, he's just—he's the pinnacle of our team for me. Um, and he's—he—he he just demonstrates everything that is good about our team um, mm. and what we—what we've grown under Poch and just how and how we approach things and how we lead. And I think he's such a good role model and um, guy to guy to lead our team. So I just—you know—if he hadn't, I think everyone had an off day yesterday by the sounds of it, and from what I've seen and what I've heard and what we're all saying. Um, so I don't really think anyone can blame him for anything and if, if people want to say that oh Aubameyang's better than him then just let them believe that it's just total rubbish I would need some we know watching Harry week in week out Listen, Aubameyang's a great striker he scored a great goal let's not have it you know, any differently he saw a great goal past Lloris you could only really watch it go in the corner I just wonder on that goal come around to you Seb could Ori have been a bit tighter to him there or do you just have to maybe applaud the fact it was a great strike you know we saw Larice. he was trying to get down to his left hand side or right hand side or wherever it was I can't even bear watching the goal back he was nowhere near it well what did you make of the goal could Ori have done anything more in your opinion Seb uh, maybe 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 I mean I, I I just think that's one of those where you know get a tribalism aside and just say that's just too good mm. um because it is that's just quality it's like um 
I mean, it wasn't that similar. It reminded me of a um, an Adebayor goal uh, oh, at Wild Lane. Brilliant, first. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, bring uh, it back you, in. <laughs> you, 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 <laughs> here we are, trying to, get old, here we are trying to get over it, and you're throwing the, the, the memorable goals in, Sip. And I just, yeah, we're just, we're just celebrating great Arsenal moments I in the know. derby. Brilliant. Um, oh, dear. No, it reminded me of that where you just think, yeah, you, you can probably pick apart a couple of defenders, but then sometimes, you know, it's like uh, it's like Kane's goal against them uh, in the 2-2. That's right, yeah. yeah. It's like that. It's just like you, you, you can blame, I think it was Bellerin who lost the ball in the corner. Um, you can blame him if you like, but then you also just have it and just said that's still, that that is far too good, and I I, I think it was kind of um, on, on first look it was it was weird because I, I didn't really understand how Lloris got beaten because it wasn't it wasn't the most powerful shot, but then you see how early no, he takes it, it. Was just placed wasn't and, it? And, the, and the shape on it it's just mm. it's just a great finish I think. Yep, just on Ori, I just come around to you, Mike. This is a question from Mark at Pure Filth. That's an interesting tag handle. God, we get some interesting ones on here. Pure Filth. God, that was that like describing <laughs> that game I think from the, the weekend. He says, "How have we gone from having enviable?" fullbacks to god awful ones in such a short time now I can only imagine he's referring to the fact of having Danny Rose and Carl Walker to now having maybe Ben Davis, Kieran Trippier or Serge Aurier now to give some kind of praise here to Aurier I have seen a different side to him this season in that Arsenal game it almost was like a revert to type he did go back into his old ways Mike what do you make on that whole thing about the fullbacks and is that a concern for Spurs do you think at the moment moving forward I think next summer Spurs will be looking for an, another left back. Um, in terms of Walker, I think I, you know I heard a lot of issues between Walker and the manager, so I think that was a, a mutual passing of the ways. Um, and the problem really was, I think we knew very early days that Aurier is nowhere near the level of Carl Walker. Um, can he get there, Mike, in time, or do you uh, not think he no, can ever re- no, no, I, no, I, no, I don't think so. No, but I mean, I, I, I mean, Trippier had such a wonderful World Cup. He was a bit of a figurehead of the uh, of the World Cup but he's not really had a good season so far mm. um, yeah I mean you, you look at it like a couple of years ago that the, our Europa League fullbacks were, were Davis and Trippier that's right um, Rose's injuries are, are a concern when when Rose is out he's out a long time and you practically copy and paste continues his rehabilitation mm. every Thursday when the team <laughs> comes up <laughs> oh dear <laughs> I mean, a bit like Wanyama, actually. He's the one. Yeah, another one. Another one. First, yeah. has to be very concerned about his his injury situation now. I mean, you know, so I think that's something which they will have to look at. Um, a fit Danny Rose for me is always ahead of Ben Davis, especially in the way we play. Like the way Rose bombs down is still always very exciting. He was. I remember him against Leicester at the end of last season. He was outstanding. Um, I like Davis. I like him, but he for me. He's not a top four left back. He's a he's a decent squad left back, but yeah. he certainly wouldn't be my first choice. As much as I like him, not seems like an absolutely top lad as well. Um, yeah, I think Spurs could probably improve right back and left back actually, if we're mm. honest. But you just wonder how much money would be available to spend on full backs or anyone as the years go on. Mm. You mentioned that, that's a good point. We've got loads more questions, guys. We're going to try and fill some time with those as well. Um, I want to come back around to you, Abby. So, just on the. the th- the Arsenal goal to take the lead, the free two, you know, it is so tough on Wanford. If it was to be fair to him, up until that moment, I thought we had quite a decent game. You know, the bad, bad moment for him, a mess of a back pass. Ramsey picks up the ball, plays into Lacazette, who then kills a shot off Dyer into the post at free two. And you know, Abby, you just felt you've been here before, you've seen the ending. It's just, you know, <laughs> so emotionally galling, isn't it? And we've got to sit and do a show about it. But having to relive that moment, it's just, it is just gutting, isn't it? To throw a game away like that where we were leading. 
It, it is, but the, it, there comes a point where you have to think about the squad and their mentality. Mm. And so many games, you know, even, even you know the Juventus game last season, whatever, um, we we just we deserve to win that game. Yeah. But it comes it comes down to your mentality and it comes down to your belief. And if you don't believe that you're going to win that game, you're never going to win anything. And I know we touched on the cup game earlier um, against Arsenal in a few weeks. If they believe that they're going to win that. And they have that mentality. And Poch talks about it a lot, about having that winning mentality. Even if you don't have the players, if you believe you can do something, you can probably do it. Um, and it's, it's about having that and showing that on the pitch. And, and, and I just feel sometimes with our squad, they don't, they don't have it. Or not everyone has it. I, th- I think Harry has it. Mm. I think, um, you know, despite many of his errors this season, I think Lloris has it. But I don't think that throughout our entire squad... I don't think we had it. I think we had it a couple of years ago well, before we sold Walker and all that. And I'm not saying him in particular, but that squad back then had a lot of belief about them um, until the last couple of games where we did capitulate. Um, you know, everyone, no one will forget that game against Newcastle. No, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> no, no one can forget that. Um, but I think we had a lot of belief. And I just feel like over the car, like the last two seasons, it's kind of just, just dipped a bit in those games where you kind of have to go and win. Um but, but I mean, I think everyone kind of knew. I mean, I, me personally, not to be negative, I never thought we were winning that game. I thought, I think, it, I thought it would be two-two. Um, that was my feeling on it. Um, even before we kicked off, I thought I'd take a draw right away, um, as you would do, especially after the week we'd had um, and how and how telling it's been. Um, but if you, it's hard when you're when you're two-one up in a game away at that. I mean. You should try and hold on. You should try and see it out. But it's like I think. I just think it comes down to mentality. And if they don't have it, then we should, then we we've got to get players that do have it. And we're going to have to spend in order to do that. And if if that means sell, then you're going to have to sell. Mm. I mean, I'm going to ask you, come back around to you there, Seb. Spurs, this is an incredible stat, and it's not one that I take pride in reading, but Spurs have now dropped 40 points from winning positions in the Premier League against Arsenal. The worst record of any club against a single opponent, which would suggest in this squad, Seb, this is a mentality issue, isn't it? It's the fact that, you know, when it comes to the crunch games, and I gave the squad credit earlier in the show when I talked about, you know, the fact of getting the results against Inter Milan and PSV in high-pressure games, they get over the line. But this Arsenal stat, I mean, that's a really worrying stat, Seb, isn't it? It is, Rick, but then there are, I mean, I'll, I'll counter that by saying that, okay, so in, in these kind of games, it's still a problem, but I mean, previously, Spurs used to have all kinds of issues seeing out games against very average teams. You know, I mean, think, think of some of the equalisers you've, you've seen at White Hart Lane. I mean, just, and some of the players who scored them as well. And it's, you know, the, the, it's kind of like a, a who's who of, of forgotten Premier League players. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I get a little bit bored on social media of kind of every, every time every time Tottenham lose a game to anybody, it's a it's a bottling it situation. It's mm. it's become very, very tired. Um, so I don't know. I I, I think I, I'm I'm still more prone to to believing in the kind of the technical deficiencies in this team. I think the fullbacks. We we, we talked about the fullbacks. That's a oh, huge we have. problem. On yeah. Side. Exactly. And it's just. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think that affects the way that our, our centre-backs defend as well. I mean, without sort of the pace of a Rose and Walker covering those wide areas, you know, a couple of our centre-halves are, you know, getting torn out of position and, and put in positions they don't necessarily want to be in a few too, uh, a little bit too often. Um, so, no, I, I, don't, I don't think it's just sort of a fundamental weakness. I just think there are, there are big holes in the squad. Um, I mean, if, if we start chucking goals to 
you know, uh, you know, against Southampton at home again, or you know, if we, we we go and throw away three points at Leicester next Saturday, then oh, okay. But then in this kind of situation, like Arsenal did play very well. Mm. Um, you know, last season when we went out to Juventus, Juventus are an extremely experienced European side. They they have two of the best forwards. Well, they had two of the best forwards on the planet at, at the top of their formation. It, it's just it's one of those things we can't always look at it through the prism of of, of kind of Spurs' fragility. It's not. Um, it's it's overused that thing I think. Mm. And coming on to you, Mike. You know, I read you know that, that stat there, and Seb's had his counterpoint on it. But do you think also it comes to a point, Mike, where I say so much on this show, and I say it because I genuinely do believe it. You know, this squad. I look at it. I love the manager. I love the squad, but I do just think at times it's still one or two for me short of you know some wise heads in there, some players that have been there, done it got over the line in big games, won trophies, won high-pressure matches. I just think sometimes if we have a couple of those players in there, Mike, in that dressing room, you know, I look at back like someone like Edgar Davies. Now, don't get me wrong, that squad that Edgar Davies came into, they didn't have the ability to win, but Spurs went from, you know, finishing, you know, 7th or 8th to finishing in the top five to then eventually finishing the top four. I just wonder, Mike, of this squad, if you had that cut of players in there with that, you know, been there, done it mentality, would that maybe take this squad up a level and get us over the line in these crunch games, do you think? Yeah, maybe, Rick, but I just think sometimes we're a bit too hard on us. I mean, they beat Man United 3-0 in August, and I think I said to you, I, Lucas Moura could be our most Salah this season. I was yeah, that yeah. impressed by him. Yeah, he did. He, did. <laughs> yeah. he hasn't really pushed on since then, really. Uh, I, I wanted to see a bit more from him. I look at our players, and you know, nine of them were in the World Cup um, final or the third place playoff they've not had a break I think there's enough there in terms of experience the problem Tottenham and as I've said as Seb said is bottle nonsense I'll give them bottle if Tottenham did what other teams did every <laughs> 250 million pound yeah right yeah, yeah. So, you know all this nonsense that we're only going to judge Pochettino you know, if he wins saying all oh, right so he's got to win a Carabao Cup oh, I agree with you. yeah I agree. I agree you know, it, yeah. You know the, the the same people that slag off Pochettino are the same people who'd be dancing in the streets if he left tomorrow. Yeah, Believe me. Spot on. He, you know, <laughs> you know, there's no doubt about that. He has absolutely transformed this team. Mm. Um, Tottenham are a joy to watch. Um, you know, they've gone from sixth and seventh, sixth and seventh to second and third. Exactly. I can't believe they finished third last season at Wembley Stadium. Yeah. I'm, sh- you know, I actually still think they'll finish in the top four this season. I just think they'll still get it right, but because of him, my my only concern is. This is what divides Tottenham supporters. I don't think the Europa League is very helpful. I don't think Tottenham will win the Europa League, and I think Tottenham. Well, let's hope, Mike. Let's hope we'll go to Barcelona, smash them four-one. Yeah. Well, I've got to worry about it. I'll, 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 be, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be looking, I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, I mean, you know, that'll that'll take its toll. Okay. Um, mm. But you know, the players you're talking about, how much do they cost? I mean, well, that's the, but that's again, it comes down to the point, Mike. I think that if you want to be a big club and you want a new stadium and you want to sign the players down to a new deal, then also you have to start adding like a big club as well. It comes to, you know, selling your best players and whatever like that, you know, keeping the likes of Toby, as we discussed, you know, on numerous different shows. I think if you want to become a big club, you want a new stadium, you also got to be of the mindset, Mike. You have to spend the money, whether it's to keep players or buy players. I know it's difficult because Spurs are spending an absolute fortune on this stadium. I'm not stupid. You know, I do understand that. I appreciate that. 
But as we know, if you're going to want to get a new stadium, it does come with the territory. Might that other things also have to be addressed at the same time, and that's not going to be easy for the club. I'm not saying it is, but they have shown, you know, the flexibility. They have got Harry Kane a new deal, Maurizio Pochettino, Deli Ali. I'm hoping it'll be the same for Christian Eriksen, another key player, so important to this football club. So I hear what you're saying, Mike. Believe me, I do. And as we said, not everything is wrong. One result doesn't make anything a disaster. We've got this cup game coming up in, you know, a couple of weeks' time. For me, we have to now go and take that ever so seriously. We cannot afford to lose to them twice in a, in a couple of weeks. If, listen, like I'm I mean, dead now. Like I, said, Rick, I mean, like I said, Rick, like last season, there was a re- I had a real feeling. It was back in me. I thought, yeah. this is t- top time to win the FA Cup this year. I, know, I just I had that feeling. You know, the draws at Newport, draws at Rochdale, being in the snow for the bloody replays. Then all, I thought, Do you know what? There's a feeling. I've got a real feeling this year. And then the team drops when they play Man United and Vaughan starts in goal. Yeah. Now, that's not to do with any... That's Pochettino. Yeah. You know, he needs to start the best goalkeeper. Exactly. It's not it's not comic relief. It's not charity day. You've got to play the best player. And, and they threw it that day. You know, they froze again. So, I mean, it's all a learning curve. And it's also a learning curve for Maurizio. But as I will say, as I go round to it, the most important contracts we should sign every time is extending Maurizio Pochettino. So he's crucial. So. Yeah, of course he is. Mm-hmm. And we love him, we adore him, even though, like I say, we sit here and we debate and, you know, we discuss his tactics. We still believe he's the right man for the job. And listen, there's games that say you win for us, it will lose for us in terms of tactics. Let's hope overall, again, it is another learning curve. You do wonder how many more you can take on these learning curves before it kills us. But listen, we're all going to be back there on Wednesday night supporting the team because we adore them. You talk about the FA Cup there, Mike. It's a perfect time to announce that Spurs, it's another away one, Mike. Uh, we're going to be facing Tramir Rovers or Southport. So, are you going to tell me, Mike, that we're going to be on the, uh, hopefully, on the journey to winning this one, Mike? Um, have they announced the date of the replay yet? Well, it says. <laughs> <laughs> well, the initial ties are going to be scheduled to be played over the weekend of the 5th and 6th of January. So, Tramor or Southport, that's going to be interesting. Again, it'll be a case I reckon we'll see a lot of the youngsters go and play that one. Fingers crossed we've got a journey coming there. Before we look to finish up in what's been, like I say, a real post-mortem of show. Guys, I hope you've enjoyed it as best as you can. As I discussed, we are going to be previewing Southampton on the Love Sports Show. Let's get some other questions that have been sent in to us. Guys, again, can't thank you enough for your questions. We've had over 50 questions this week. So I'm sorry we don't get the chance to read them all out. Let's go to you, Abby. This is from Mikey at Mike underscore TTI. Tottenham to die, I presume that stands for. He says, Is Son a team player? Man is talent and no one can argue. Just think he shoots rather than taking the pass too often. Showed that against Arsenal and against Chelsea. What do you make of that one, Abby? Um, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Sometimes he does take the extra pass, sometimes he is selfish. Um, but um, if I was a striker, I probably would be the same. So. Is a, you should really be looking out for your team, but I think that strikers do have a knack of not doing that. Um, but I mean, if if, if, he, if he gets it in, he gets it in. I That's think it. that sometimes I think he could look up more and try and not take the extra pass. But as long as he hits the back of the net, and if he if he now hopefully goes on a run, um, like we said before, he's he looks a bit fresher um, after that November international break. If he can try and get some form back, how he had last season, and go on that little run of goals, he'll be so pivotal to us um, in in the games over Christmas. Okay, fantastic. Thank you much for that, Abby. And I'm going to go round next to you there, Seb. And this is a question here from LJ Band, who says, can we pick ourselves up and put in a better performance when we play them again soon? Does our lack of being in a new stadium also affect the players' mentality? What do you make of that one, Seb? Uh, I mean, I, 
I'm not a player. I can't. I can't really. I can't really judge that. I mean, I, the only the only thing I say is I I'd be wary of thinking that from day one in that new stadium that everything's going to be absolutely fine because oh, historically, well, yeah, you know, when in, when a club moves stadium, there's a little bit of an adjustment there. Um, did he did he mean in terms of uh, putting in a performance? Did he mean against the against Arsenal in the League well, Cup? Th- yes, we saw at the League Cup again. That's going to be down to selection, though, isn't it? That's the difficult yeah, one. Yeah, but it, if 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 Poch decides to throw it, then no, um, <laughs> because he's he's done that in the past. I remember. The last time we played them in the League Cup, I mean, Fazio was playing. Oh, God. Um, Don't remind us of that uh, night. That's a Firmini double, go. wasn't so, it? Good Lord. So, oh, and he, he, he's got some pretty strong opinions about um, about the importance of, a, of a, yeah. a, a dark in the League Cup versus the importance of the Premier League. So let's just let's just hold fire on that one until an hour before kickoff. OK, we'll have to wait and see. God, I'll be another team meltdown to then how that goes. And bringing it over back round to you, Abby. Uh, sorry to put you on the spot on this one, Abby, because it's a really tough question. This is from Chris Lawton, who says, Would you have rather beaten Arsenal than Inter if you could only win one of those two games? That's a horrible question. What do you reckon that would have? Oh. Sorry, that's a horrible would, question. Would I have rather beat Arsenal or Inter? Um... Uh, so inevitably we get beaten by Inter it's, do you know what it's a hard one because I mean I'm going to Barcelona next week as well um, and I'm hoping I'm hoping we're going to have a miracle um, I I really don't know the answer to that quite possibly in te- do I think we're going to win the Champions League of course we no. are <laughs> I mean, I mean on, on a, on a of course we're going to win it on a realistic <laughs> level I'm probably going to say no um, in terms of the league, do you know what it's? It's just catch twenty-two. Uh, do you know what? I probably would have rather beat Arsenal, but there you go. that's not to say that I'm not over the moon that we beat Inter. Yeah, but if I'm looking at it from a realistic perspective. Yeah, I've got to be honest, I don't think I can stomach any more these two weeks. Listen, that's your Arsenal post-mortem, as much as it's pained us to do it. Um, just to maybe look on a brighter note, in terms of upcoming fixtures, which you can never count as givens, we have got a run coming up here, Mike, which does sound positive on paper. We have to say the words on paper, because again, we don't know the team selections for this. We don't know who's going to be fit. But coming up, we've got Southampton at Wembley, coming up firstly. Then we've got Leicester away, Burnley at home, Everton away, Bournemouth at home, Wolves at home, Cardiff away, Man United at home and Fulham away. Now, again, based on paper, Mike, this is now a real opportunity for Spurs to get back on a winning run and really string along some wins together here. Well, without looking, I'm pretty sure that Spurs have had a brilliant record under Poch over Christmas fixtures. We have. And it's yeah. really and it really give, pushed them into the new year, right into the mix. And I, and I think I expect that again. One great thing they, they have under Pochettino is after one defeat, they do recover ever so well. Yeah, that's it. That's um, right. Apart from the little blip we had earlier in the season, the Watford one and the other one, Liverpool defeat. But yeah, yeah we'll forget that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Leicester away is the tough one, actually. Um, there's always a bit of needle between both clubs, but obviously it's so soon after their tragic events, I'm not sure that, how the mood will be in, inside the stadium. But I think after Sunday, Spurs have to go for six points. They really do. I mean, Leicester aren't as good as they were... Last few seasons, I think they. I think both. After, the problem you have now is the gap is. Re, let's say the top five at the moment. The gap is getting so big in That's the Premier it. League. Yeah. That if you if you draw with a, with all due respect Huddersfield or a Wolves or someone, you're dropping serious points. And I have to say, anything Spurs have to beat Southampton Wednesday, and Leicester would be a massive bonus too. You know, two wins, and you and you're quickly then forgetting about um, what happened the other night. 
spot on. Well, listen, we haven't discussed Southampton, but we're going to give a quick preview as we round this up. So, Mike, sticking with you, will Spurs be back to winning ways against them? What do you make of it? Yeah, yeah, Spurs will win. Um, I, I mean, I'd have said 100% win under under Mark Hughes. I, I, I thought Southampton were heading. <laughs> Typical, is it the I, new I, manager I, I, bounce? Isn't it, Mike? Well, I, mean, I think I think I think they'd have gone down under Mark Hughes, so it was inevitable. It was a bit of a strange one that they did it as they got a point against Manchester United, but it sounded like it was all done before then anyway. It was like a Martin Jolson, he knew it was happening. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't care who Southampton have got in charge Wednesday. It could be Willy Wonka for all I care. They've got to beat. <laughs> they've got to beat Southampton, and, and they'll recover from it. I think they'll make a couple of changes. Uh, I'm hearing Sanchez is nearly back to full fitness as well, really? so he might be on the. Bench. Yeah, I That's think Winks will come back in. Yeah, uh, he was supposed to be out till January, but yeah, I, I've heard a few whispers that he's uh, he could be back next week. So yeah, it's a last word on Spurs exclusive for you. There you uh, go. Then Harry, <laughs> yeah, then Harry, and I'd, I'd like to see Harry Winks back in. I think he's he, he he's got so much about him, and he's he's a player Spurs fans can be really proud of. And uh, I'd like to see him feature a bit more now as well. Okay, there you go. An exclusive for Mike. Who says his guy doesn't work the overtime? Incredible. Thank you so much, Mike, for that. <laughs> Abby, coming back around here, will Spurs get back to winning ways? What do you think? Absolutely. There you go. It's just, it's just, it's just a blip. It's only, it's, it's just one game. Just one game. We, have, you to, we, we all have to, we have to move on from it. We have to move yeah. on right now. It's one game. It hurt, but we had such a good week prior to that. Got to get over this, um, this small little blip. Um, you know, think we've all made it out to be bigger than it is, although it does hurt. Um, but hopefully we can go back and smash Southampton and. Um, yeah, kick on for Saturday. There you go. Abby, prediction? Can we get on from you? Oh, you know I hate doing predictions. Um, um, I'm going to go 3-1. Three, 3-1 one. Three, one Spurs. There you go. Back amongst the goals, 3-1 Spurs. And Seb, over to you. What are you going to go for, Seb, for this one, Southampton? Oh, 5-0, uh, right? They couldn't even beat Man United. 5-0. I mean, uh, there you go. What, 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 kind of, what kind of team can't beat Manchester United at home? <laughs> terrible. <laughs> well, honestly, 5-0. Honestly, I, I mean, I, um, I think there'll be a proper reaction. There'll be some changes. And also, a couple of those players, it's a little bit of a cliche, but a couple of those players have got some ground to make up with the manager and the fans. And I think there'll be a, there should be a, a response. They'll yeah. understand how that fixture is. I love it. The, the positives of these predictions, you would never know we've come to the back of such a disappointing loss. But there you go, that's, that's Spurs for you. Seb, thank you ever so much for coming back on the show tonight. I really appreciate it, bearing in mind the tough, difficult circumstances of having to review this particular game. Thank you ever so much. Cheers, Rick. Thank you. Pleasure. Mike, thank you as well so much. We'll obviously have you all back on throughout the season. Thank you again, Mike. Absolute pleasure, Rick. Thank oh, you. You're a star. And Abby, thank you as always. And I hope the wedding was worth it on the back of that horrendous showing. I promise you, it actually helped. It made me feel a lot better yeah. after it. God. Yeah. Oh, bless you. Well, guys, listen, we are back on Last Sport for you tonight. If you're listening on a Tuesday, we'll be, again, discussing the Arsenal game. I know, more depressing, discussing the Arsenal game, but also looking ahead to Southampton to come in the Premier League. Hopefully the Spurs get back to winning ways. Enjoy the show, keep the faith, and as always, come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network.